I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. We're back, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Resource Real Talk about Louisville Real Estate. I am your host, Jay Pitts, broker owner of Remax Premier Properties, leader of JT Pitts and Associates, recently published the number 20 team, number 2020 in the nation with Remax. Very, very proud of our agents here within Remax Premier Properties and JT Pitts and Associates for that accomplishment. You know, Numbers aren't quite on pace for goals, so I was a little bit surprised to see that we climbed. We ended last year at number 29 in the nation. To see that we climbed to number 20 was really, really exciting for me. So big props to the agents over here at 10605 Shelbyville Road. All right, so real quick, if I could ask you just right here at the top of the show to do me a solid, jump over to our two most preferred platforms for followership. Is that a word? Followership, followership, following the program, Instagram and TikTok. We would love to have your follow there at J Pitts Realtor on Instagram at J underscore Pitts on TikTok. And we are also live on YouTube. You can find us youtube.com slash J Pitts Realtor. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm super excited because we've gone back to the basics here at resource and really The basics for me is nothing more than spending the appropriate amount of time, the appropriate amount of time and effort and energy on the things that make the most impact in today's business world, in today's world of residential real estate. Last week, we talked to you about the optimal listing presentation, the perfect listing presentation, the perfect listing appointment. And we got real granular on the things to do, the things to say, on how to frame your interaction with your seller so that you can get listings from that network of yours, that sphere of influence, as we like to uh, refer to it as, that that circle of people that, that surround you in your daily life, whether you be working or doing you know, whatever it is that you're not doing real estate. So that was number one. I've told you the most impactful three things in the today's market are to get listings from your sphere of influence, to hold transactions together. And what we're going to talk about today is how to win multiple offer situations. Those three being most impactful, I think it quite important to go back to the basics right now as we're seeing a very strange shift in the marketplace out there right now. We're seeing, you know, interest rates climb, but sales not necessarily taper. We're expecting a price appreciation, home appreciation to slow down, if not even in certain micro segments of the market to actually drop in value potentially. Hasn't really happened yet. We're a very solid, very fundamentally sound Midwestern market here in Louisville, Kentucky. So you're not going to see the wild swings that you're going to see on the coasts in areas that are substantially, substantially more volatile. The the Southern California's, the Southern Florida's, the, you know, New England and East Coast, 
you know, larger cities, major metropolitan areas, multi-million population cities. Here in Louisville, you're not going to see that. We have a very solid employment base. We are a low tax environment. We are a Midwestern values kind of city where people don't move quite as often and they don't speculate like they do in other areas. Now, that being said, it is still incredibly important to know how to win those multiple offer situations. Today, I'm going to lay out for you exactly what you should do to win those multiple offers. But first, I'm going to share f- with you some numbers. So this past week, and and I, you know, if you're a fan of the podcast long or you've been around me in a professional capacity, you know that I am a big, big fan of tracking the numbers. I believe that you should be able to expect the things that you inspect. The things you pay attention to tend to grow, tend to improve tend to advance. The things that you neglect tend to stay still, stagnant, or decrease. So I track all the numbers. This week, JT Pitts and Associates, quite interesting, went on 23 new client appointments. That's, excuse me, the week ending Sunday. Today is Wednesday, the 18th of May. On Sunday, in the seven week, seven days prior, our team went on 23 appointments with new clients. Okay, we wrote 32 offers. However, we only got 13 of those 32 accepted. Now, I'm not really, really quick with math, but that is 13 of 32, okay, is slightly better than one third. Not quite a half, okay, a little better than a third. And that, in my mind, is unacceptable. It's a reflection of where we stand as a market, low inventory, high competition, lots of things that are, you know, ensuring that it is a knockdown, drag out, claw tooth and nail type situation to get your offers accepted out there. And I have agents doing a very, very good job representing their clients and still not winning. But there is an X factor. There is an X factor, even if we don't exactly know what it is, because what I also see is the greater levels of experience the agent has, the more likely they are to get their offer accepted. So there is some way to move the needle. That's what we're going to explore today. Once again, 32 offers written and only 13 accepted. You better believe the business person, leader, mentor, real estate broker that I am, I am am examining our level of skill with which to improve our clients' chances to present offers that will get accepted, to get the offers they are presenting accepted. Because I guarantee you, out of those, you know, 13, you know, those ones that didn't get accepted, there was one client at least within those ranks that was willing to improve their offer if given the opportunity. And our job is to get those opportunities. All right, let's move on. So let's let's talk about some foundational assumptions, some foundational assumptions that we must make when we're attempting to win a multiple offer situation. Foundational assumptions. Number one, okay, you have to understand, you have to expect, you have to, uh, you have to perceive that the seller and the listing agent are going to pursue their own self-interests. 
they are going to pursue their own self-interest. The problem is, is you don't know what those self-interests are. You have to identify them. That's what we're going to work on trying to do now with the different questions, communications, and other things that we're going to do today, okay, that we're going to explore to help understand what it's going to take to be successful. That's what we're examining today. Okay. They're going to pursue their own best interest. You have to understand that they, the listing agent is going to be willing to communicate with prospective buyers via their agents in hopes of procuring the best possible situation for that client. That is an assumption that you can make. They're going to be willing to communicate in order to get the best offer for their client or they are simply, simply ill-equipped to handle the situation that they've gotten themselves into. Either way, kind of cracking that code as to which it may be is your key to helping your client succeed. So one of two situations, they will communicate or they won't because they're ill-equipped. There is no third option. Okay, you can tell yourself that they just don't like you. That's not probably the case. They just like someone else better or someone else is better at their job, which is getting, you know, through to this person, having them communicate with them instead of you in order to gain their client an advantage. I'm talking about another buyer's agent. Those are assumptions you can make. There are a couple of things that you also must do. Okay, in order to set the proper context for you being the one that that listing agent needs feels compelled to communicate with. I will submit to you two things. One, you must be persistent. Two, you must be confident. Typically, confidence is built through experience. If you don't have experience, you cannot manufacture it. It takes time. You Create confidence in another way, and that is the only substitute for experience, and that's education. So get yourself inside the office. Attend those trainings. We had one this morning on the value of the PVA website and the public records website. Understanding how to find data builds confidence. It gets people to to, to pay attention to you as a resource. It's the reason this podcast is titled Resources, because the the best real estate agent out there. The most you can ever hope for is being identified as someone's top resource for buying and selling real estate successfully. Build your confidence through experience, build it through education, but bring that confidence because if you don't, you won't get your offers accepted and you won't be doing the most you can possibly do for your clients. Be persistent because if an agent is not persistent with me, I think they're not serious. I think they're not going to do a good job. I make all sorts of assumptions as a listing agent about a buyer's agent that's not persistent with me that leads me to believe they're not the one that I want to go to contract with. So those are some foundational assumptions that you can make about the other agent and that you need to present in yourself to have the best chance. All right. Let's move forward and we're going to get into exactly, okay, like the things that are moving the needle right now, the things that are moving the needle. There are a couple that I want to highlight before I get into the specific way to approach the other agent because please do not mistake me. 
this battle will be won or lost in the communication with the other agent. You do not have a direct line to the client. You do not have a way to understand what is important and impactful to them other than what that listing agent will or won't tell you. And if you can't even get them to talk to you, then you are a ship without a rudder. You are drifting aimlessly. You don't know where you're headed. Okay. So we're going to come back to that in a minute, but, but let's first talk about the elements of the offer that you're about to present that move the needle. I see a few. Okay. Number one, I will tell you the number one don't that I see in this market. And I'm going to lose you here. Some of you, some of you, because this is a crutch. It's an unfortunate crutch that a lot of agents are using in today's day and age because they are afraid to have difficult communication, difficult conversations with their clients. They fear taking control of the situation because they don't think they have the experience because they don't have the confidence. So they lean on the crutch that are escalation clauses. My advice to you is don't do them. Do not do them. The market is too disparate. They may have worked three, six months ago. They don't work today. Today is the most active market for multiple offers I have ever seen. And I will tell you that all you're telling me when you write an escalation clause is that you're not willing to beat the competition the first time around. And I, I am not inspired to work with somebody that will only pay their top number if made to do so. I expect that deal to fall through with higher likelihood than ones without escalation clauses. And frankly, as a listing agent, I don't have time. I will make time, but I don't have time when representing my client's best interest to slow down long enough to explain what an escalation clause means to them. I want the offer that puts their foot forward, the best foot forward the first time get rid of the escalation clause, you're going to increase your chances of success. Number two, cash is king. Probably nothing more impactful than being a cash offer versus being a financed offer. Now, Jay, that's not realistic for everybody. Trust me, I know this. Okay, but you must explore your client's ability to pay cash finance later. You must explore your client's ability to obtain cash from a family member and then finance later. You must explore what options they have because it really does tip the scale in your favor. And if you fail to ask the questions, then that is exactly what you'll do. You will fail at a higher percentage than if you had gone cash, than if you had asked the question. That one you know, avenue that they might have might be the saving grace, okay? Now, this is also an incredibly impactful time to win because as prices increase while rates increase, the affordability of housing is getting hit, is being assaulted from both directions. So this could be a substantial issue with respect to your client's ability to purchase a home that is suitable to their needs, they need to do it now, not later. All right, number two, the inspection waiver. And I don't mean inspect but not request. Everyone knows what that means. That means if we find something we don't like, we can still ask you for it. We can still terminate the contract. You know, it's better than a straight on inspection. Okay, it's better to qualify your inspection request. 
I will not request items less than this. I will not make requests in excess of this. I will not make requests at all, but I reserve the right to cancel. All of those qualifiers are better than a flat out inspection. If you're listening here in Louisville, 10B2 is better. Okay, 10B2 with qualifiers is better than just straight 10B2. 10B1 is king as it pertains to inspections. What we're seeing is, you know, first we look, okay, I have three cash offers. Which one waived inspection entirely? 10B1. 10B1 cash is a recipe for success. If you have the ability, do it. Okay, even less impactful, but still tipping the scales is the appraisal waiver or the appraisal gap coverage. Now, you may say to me, Jay, well, my client is getting financing. How can they do an appraisal waiver? Well, if your client's buying a $400,000 property and they're putting $200,000 down, what are the chances? What are the literal chances that the house that is on the market for four hundred will appraise for less than two hundred? There's zero, zero chance. Look at the Zestimate. The Zestimate claims to be seventy-five percent accurate within ten percent in both directions. In that case, that is from three sixty to four forty. There is a literal 0% chance that your your $400,000 property appraises for $200,000. Waive the appraisal if you've got a $200,000 down payment. Don't give gap coverage. Waive it. Okay? Really, all you need with a $400,000 property sales price to obtain the best possible financing available, conventional 20% down is an $80,000 down payment, which means the appraisal can come $120,000 short and you still obtain the best possible financing. There's a literal 0% chance that happens. Maybe 0.000001, but virtually zero. Wave the appraisal altogether if you can. All right, even less impactful, but important, Okay, post-closing possession or seller's choice of logistical deadlines. When does the seller want to close? When do they want to give possession? The contract is written to take into account mutual consent with respect to these things. Give the seller carte blanche. Okay, if you have the ability to give the seller post-closing occupancy with or without, preferably without rent back, do it. It will help you win. If you do all of these things, cash, inspection waiver, appraisal waiver, seller's choice of possession and closing, you're going to win. Out of those three things or four things, cash is king, followed by inspection, followed by appraisal waiver, followed by seller's choice of possession. Okay, now that we've got the fundamentals covered, you know where you can make the most impact without the seller's input, now it's time to find out what the seller wants. What does the seller want in this situation? Okay, I need to teach you exactly what to say and how to approach a listing agent that, mind you, is probably in the one of, if not the busiest moments in their career with a hot listing that has probably shown 40 times in two days. They're you know, waiting on offers, they're probably going to get 10 plus that you're competing with. 
And they are stretched to the limit. They are stretched extremely thin. Extremely thin. So how do you go about approaching that individual when there are probably 30 or 40 other agents literally reaching out to them in attempts to find out the same exact information that you need to find out? How do you stand out in that crowd? Well, frankly, it's a lot of the same things that you do to stand out to your own clients. Okay. And several of the same things work being early to show and early to reach out is important. Being persistent, reach out prior to showing, reach out after showing, reach out prior to offer, reach out after offer. I'm telling you to be persistent. An agent who is an asshole and doesn't want to talk to you is going to be no less of an asshole when you call four times than if you call once. They're just going to be an asshole. So what do you have to lose? In fact, I would submit to you that you have more of an opportunity to break through that barrier, that wall they've put up. You've got more of an opportunity to break through that barrier the more times you reach out. Not less, more. Reach out more. Stop telling yourself the bullshit lie that you're going to annoy them and they're going to stop answering you because you reach out too many times. Now, of course, and I don't think I have to tell you that you don't reach out 25 times in an hour or something stupid like that. Reach out multiple times. Had a phenomenal showing. Just wanted to let you know, pretty sure we're going to be making an offer. Uh, You know, what do you think moves the needle? These little questions are very important. All right, but let's let's uh, let's get back on plane here because I've got an exact path that you can follow. All right, number one, the pre-offer text. This is a text message that you're going to send after you've shown the property. Preferably, you've had a conversation prior to. Anytime you can have a conversation, have it. Build rapport, make a difference. Be your charming self. If you're not charming, fake it for now make it happen. Okay. You do not have leverage and you need some. So you have to get it in some kind of way. Okay. Pre-call or pre-offer text message. This is before you've talked to them about the offer. The purpose of this text message is to get them to talk to you. It's to get their attention and get them to talk to you about what the offer terms need to be in order for you to have success. All right, here's a go. Here it goes. And I'm going to put these on the screen later. Hey, congrats on your great new listing. One, two, three main street showed it yesterday, whatever. I'm sure you're slammed, but I was hoping for some guidance on what might make this offer process easier for you. In text send. Wait 30 seconds. And while you're waiting, type out, do you have two minutes to chat? As soon as you see the three blinking dots, press send on the second message. You want it to be two messages because you want it to ping their inbox twice. If they happen to ignore the first text because they're in the middle of something, you want that second message to hit and draw them back into the thread. 
Now, I don't recommend you continue to string together like eight more texts, asking questions, trying to get your information. Remember, you're just trying to generate a phone conversation where you can use your charm, your sales skills, and your command of the English language, neurolinguistic programming and influence to get an advantage for your client. Once again, hey, congrats on your great new listing. I showed it yesterday, one, two, three, main street, whatever, include or don't. I'm sure you're slammed, but I was hoping for some guidance on what might make this offer process easiest for you. Do you have two minutes to chat? Second text. All right. Now I hear from a lot of my agents, Jay, they don't respond. I don't, I, then I call them and they don't answer. And then I text again. Hey, did you get my last message? You, you cross over into needy guy trying to get a second date territory and they don't ever want to call you back. Listen, clients and agents are no different. People want to work with desirable people. That's why you must have persistence and confidence because you're creating the expectation that you are different than the masses. The masses are inexperienced, ill-equipped, unable to process a successful transaction to, to take control and move the client forward in the process to keep them from getting cold feet and walking away. Because trust me, the last thing a busy agent who is ill-equipped to handle the process of 10 offers wants to do is to have to do it twice. So they're looking for the agent that means business. They're looking for the agent that doesn't need practice. Been there, done that, getting to the table, not wasting my time. That's who you want to portray. But you can't be cocky either. You can't be dismissive. All right, now let's say they don't respond. Okay, then I'm going to give you a dialogue to use in another text message or something that could also be used on the first conversation when they do respond. Okay, so if they don't respond, I'm going to jump it around a little bit, but I'll, I'll bring it all together. If they don't respond to the text, you send another text, John, hypothetically. I know you're probably juggling a lot right now. I'd love some guidance on how I can make this easier for you. My clients were thinking of offering X. Would that be competitive? So now you've shown your cards. Now, I'm going to recommend to you that you make the offer stiff. You may second guess this dialogue if your clients, and you know it, are not ready to take this down. Okay? If they are wavering on their willingness to pull the trigger on this number, then you might think twice. But when you know your clients are willing to make a run at this property to put their best foot forward, do this and it will get a response because you've shown some cards. Okay? That is an investment in the relationship with the agent. You are giving them proprietary information and they say, oh, wow, this guy's ready. He's doing a deal today. I need to respond to him. Now, if they respond to either of those text messages, okay, so the second was a contingency, but either one of them, the first goes unresponded to, 
We're going to reserve that second text dialogue to use in the conversation verbally as well. But once again, first, you know, pre-offer text, you know, I need two minutes to chat. If they respond to either one of these, you dial the phone immediately because you know they're looking at the text message right then and there with their phone in front of them. They're probably not on the phone and they're more likely to answer because they are on task in this offer process mode. Okay, you're getting right to them in the moment that they are thinking about this specific issue. That is something that you need to master. You need to do it really, really quickly before they move on. Back, you know, when you know, the majority of leads weren't delivered to us with internet leads for buyers and sellers. We called this speed to lead get there before they've moved on. You're much more likely to get them to answer. All right. So next, when you start that conversation, let's say they answer it, they answer, they answer the text, you call and they answer the phone, start off the situation, start off the conversation with a compliment. Like I did in the first line, of the first text message. Hey man, John, congrats, dude. This is a great listing. You know, I know you probably had to compete for it and I can see now why the seller chose you. You've done some great marketing. My client is in love with it. That master bath is just incredible. Take a moment to compliment them. When you take a moment to compliment them, you start off the conversation with the context that you are working for them, that you're actually working for your client, okay? But the way that you do that best is by getting them an opportunity that other agents won't because you've built a higher level of rapport with the listing agent from jump. So give them that compliment. The next next uh, piece of dialogue I want you to use is my goal is to structure an offer that allows all parties to win. And I want you to emphasize all, all parties to win. And then I want you to specify you, your client, you first, you talking about the listing agent, you remember they're at a moment of stress right now. They're wondering if they're going to measure up. They're wondering if they're going to be able to process this in a way that leads to their client's best possible result. There's a lot of insecurity. There's at least some anxiety. They're struggling in this moment. They need some reinforcement. They need some you know, compliment in their life right now. It's going to be, it's going to go a long way. All right. So I'm sure. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. My goal is to structure an offer that allows all parties to win you, your client, my client and myself. So you're acknowledging that you're in this for you as well. Okay. You're, you're not pretending that your best interests are not being served here. That's another way to draw confidence from them because you're letting them in on something that is important and personal to you and myself. I'm sure you're looking forward to moving, moving on from this part of the process toward a closing. And I'm also sure certain that the last thing you want to do is do this twice. Vocalize their greatest fear. I want to be the agent that helps you do that. And unfortunately, with 25% or more of offers releasing, that's a real possibility. Now, you can riff from here, okay? Because it's 
you and your personality that makes this stick. If you're an ass, you're going to sound like an ass. If you're humble and hungry, it's going to show right here. I might say something like, you know, 25% of offers releasing in today's market that's really crazy. You know, that's an unfortunate possibility. You know, personally, I've been here, I've done this, and I don't need practice, so I structure offers that win. I want to get us to the closing table. It's that level of confidence. It's, it's that level of resoluteness in your language that's going to have them build confidence in you. It's going to be incredibly impactful to them. Incredibly impactful. So what I want you to do is I want you to riff, feel comfortable, and let them know that you're the one that needs to pursue, they need to pursue an offer with. All right. So a couple of things to understand as to whether or not you have achieved this goal is you need to understand what motivates people. So the first thing that motivates people is perspective. First thing that motivates people is perspective. That perspective you've been creating from the first moment that you started this conversation. You started this by telling them that you understand that they've done a great job for their client to this point. You've highlighted for them that you understand that this is a difficult process. You've helped them understand that you're different in terms of experience, confidence, decisiveness, resolute language. You don't need the practice. You structure offers that win and you understand the consequences. If none of that happens, you need to also understand the motivating factor fa uh, factors of pain versus pleasure. Okay. Pain is a higher level of motivating factor than pleasure. So for instance, this agent is going to be more motivated by eliminating the pain that they're going through now the, the anxiety, the stress, the frustration of trying to answer all parties, right? They're going to do that. They're going to avoid that and work harder to avoid that than they are to obtain a sale. Ultimately, they're going to take the path of least resistance. You need to make sure they know that that is you. You also need to understand the difference between possibility and promise. A promise is resolute. It's, it's a done deal. It's a commitment, right? You, when you commit to action and results through your language, you give somebody much more confidence than considering the possibility that something might occur. They may even think it's a likelihood, but a possibility is much less valuable than a promise. You also need to help them understand that there is a plan. Someone having a plan is incredibly motivating. Knowing what those next steps are is incredibly motivating, which takes me to kind of my last point for today, which is before you hang up, you need to, you need to interject into the dialogue the next step. So I want you to ask, when is your plan? What is your plan for responding to offers? When do you plan to present the offers to your client? You need to vocalize these things and you need to get a response from them. When you get the response, say, fantastic. I knew you were going to do it in a very organized fashion. I just wanted the details. Let me leave you with something because I don't want to take up too much of your time. Perspective. I don't want to take up too much of your time. What I'd like you to know is that I will be by my phone unencumbered 
at that moment in time. When you're sitting there with your clients presenting all the offers that you've received and you become aware that there is something, maybe something we have discussed today, maybe something we haven't, that really moves the needle for your client. I will have my clients available and ready to consider whatever that change to our offer might be. And we can possibly go to contract right then and there without any question. And you can be the hero by helping your client achieve that goal without any worry or anxiety of waiting to see if they've countered and might lose everything by countering one of the really good offers that you have. If something tips the scales, I'll be by my phone. Please call me. I want to be the guy that makes this happen for you. It, it will take away a lot of the concern they have because what do sellers worry about? A am I pushing too far? Okay. We've got all these great offers, but you know, this best offer with the most money, it, it's got this one thing that, you know, we really needed three days post-closing occupancy and we really don't want to lose the, lose this offer, this 25,000 over list price for ask for countering them and asking for three days post-closing possession. What if they get offended? What if they walk away? What, what if then we go back to the second best offer and they've already found another property? This is an incredibly tedious and stress inducing time for both the agents and the sellers. And you need to be the warm bath of a solution the comfort that makes all the stress dissolve. This conversation can be that. You can structure your conversation and communication with these other agents so that they look at you as their solution. Remember, you don't need practice. You're only here to win. And in winning, I keep you from having to do it a second time. I make it easy and make it all go away now. You are going to look like such a rock star to your client by choosing to present my offer in such a way that your seller is willing to take it. Now, one last thing before we move on, I want to give you just a quick tip on, and this is more of a NLP tip and influence language tip. You may have heard the quote, heard the statement that you should never ask two questions consecutively. But I'm here to tell you, so, so you never can ask two questions within one kind of string of speak, string, string of speech, let's say, and expect to get an answer to both of them. The first question always gets discarded. Like, you know, where are we eating and what time are we going to be home? The only thing people hear is what time are we going to be home? Okay. So what I'm here to do is to tell you that that is called a transitional call to action. And you can use it strategically to get difficult questions answered. So for example, and we didn't get too deep and I hope it was obvious that you're going to ask questions like what is impactful to you? What is impactful to your client? Um, if I did it just right then and there, okay, it would be what is impactful to you as the listing agent and what is impactful to your client. What I'm doing right there is I'm allowing them to tell me what's important to them by phrasing it as a two-part transitional call to action and placing their client's interests second in the delivery. So follow me once again. Patrick, 
What I'd like to know is what's really important to you as an agent to achieve in this process or what's most important to your client or impactful to them. The answer you're going to get is what's most important to the listing agent. But you made them comfortable enough to answer that question when they're only supposed to be considering their client's interests by structuring it as a two-part transitional call to action. So bear that in mind when you're having these conversations, because again, you're looking to understand motivational factors, perspective, pain versus pleasure, possibility versus promise, and planning. When you do that, you will gain an advantage over every offer you're competing with. I hope this has been impactful today. I, I know it's a lot. I gave a lot of dialogue. I'm going to transcribe these messages and we're going to include them on some of the some of the social media that we put out. So you can just rip them off directly from the posts where you find this podcast. I just want you to know that what you say matters. Knowing exactly what to say matters. Great book out right now. Uh, knowing exactly what to say by Phil Jones, incredibly impactful book that you should probably look into because how you sound, your posture, the words you choose makes all the difference in the world. It's not the strength of the offer. It's the strength of the agent that wins the multiple offer. I'll repeat that one more time. It's not the strength of the offer. It's the strength of the agent that wins the multiple offer situation. That's all I've got for you this week, folks. Appreciate everything. Quick little rundown. Find us anywhere online. You can find me, Google me. I'm easy to find, but the resource podcast has a page and a group on Facebook, facebook.com slash the resource podcast on Twitter at JTPA Louisville. Find us on Instagram. Give us a follow. We're trying endeavoring to get to 10,000 followers before the end of the year, somewhere in the mid seven thousands right now at J Pitts realtor at J underscore Pitts on TikTok, J Pitts realtor or youtube.com slash J Pitts realtor on YouTube. You can find us on Apple iTunes or Spotify. Throw us a follow, throw us a review, throw us a share. Give us all the things, all the love, no four stars. I will find you. Not really, but I really would appreciate five star reviews and also anywhere else you podcast. We appreciate you consuming the show in any way that you might. If you have questions, I am always here. Once again, I am not difficult to find. Uh, that's about all I've got for you this week, folks. Thank you once again for tuning into resource real talk about Louisville real estate. I'm your host, Jay Pitts. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.